and welcome to this Property Life podcast brought to you by Property Wealth System. We're a collective of professional property investors who in our spare time love to help people reach their property goals. I'm Caroline Clayton and this week I share uh, the mic with Andrea Carrington who is one of Property Wealth System's mentors and trainers. I had the pleasure of training Andrea many, many years ago um, right at the beginning of her business uh, journey. So this week we're talking all about being an international investor. So if you're brand new here in the country and you're working out how you can scale your business or you're actually based overseas in Hong Kong or Singapore or Australia, America, all through mainland Europe, America, Australasia, New Zealand, including South Africa, then you are absolutely in the right place. Andrea and I have been training international-based students for many, many years. And in this episode, we're going to share with you a few little tips and tricks on how you can invest here in the UK without even being based here. I know you're going to love it. Lovely to see you, Andrea. And thanks, thanks, Caroline. Thanks for being here. Today is a brilliant topic, which is a little bit off the beaten track for our UK-based um, or our, our, our UK national investors. Today, we're all about the international angle because you and I love to travel we've been all over the place. And we've met some fascinating people who want to invest here in the UK, either while they're living overseas or while, or while they newly arrive in the UK. And you've become quite a niche specialist in mentoring people in that process. So if someone's, let's say, living in Hong Kong or Singapore and they want to invest in the UK, what challenges are they going to face if they don't have, you know, someone like you to to help them? Um, Well, there's quite a few challenges, actually. Obviously, bank accounts, um, they've got to have a structure to buy the properties in. Um, All of them have lending challenges. it, it, and running the numbers, understanding our processes or how, how our properties work in this country. Um, it, there, there's, a, there's quite a few challenges, but they're all fixable if, yeah. if, if they know what they're doing and if they have the right guidance, because I think that's the key. I have mentored, as you know, um, and as, as of you, hundreds of people from all over the world, New Zealand, Australia, Hong Kong, Singapore, Europe, everywhere. And I've touched wood, I've never had anyone have any lending challenges it, it's just the right person or the right people to help them get through that our yeah. power tools that we use for our specialist clients yeah so does someone physically need to be in this country to buy property no no so that's a good news that's good news all right so let's imagine because we've got, we're going to look at this two angles, someone who's non-DOM, non-RES, and then the other angle, which is someone who's international, international but living in the UK. Um, so let's start with the non-DOM, non-RES. What would be the process that you would advise them to follow to get them going? So um, how it usually works, I'll usually have a, a nice online chat with them to find out what their goals are first and first foremost, where they want to get to, why are they doing it, the usual stuff really, because I need to be clear on their, their what they want to get from all of this. I then work on setting up a limited company, so I use a specialist accountant that can work with the fact that they're not here, what's their tax situation, even though you know we don't usually talk about tax till they're earning money, we need to have we need to plan for that. Um, then we look at bank accounts. There is 
there's a few bank accounts that I work with specifically for internationals to get them the bank account open, um, which is is a challenge, but it's possible. So we have to kind of do it remotely. It used to be a, a good few years ago where we used to, some of our investors used to just fly in. We used to do a mentorship, which we can still do, obviously. Um, but we, we've figured out a way of doing it where they don't actually physically have to be here at all. So we can get the bank account open. It, it, you know, it takes a few weeks, but it's, it's doable. Uh, once we've done that, I get them to meet power team members, builders, agents, sourcing agents that I specifically cherry pick. Um, I don't let any of my mentees have sourcing agents that are not regulated and not good at what they do. Yeah. Uh, just because it, if it's someone that's not good at what they do, it, it's, it makes my job harder because I have to try and help them fi figure it out. Um, but also it makes it, it makes it easier for them because they're not here. So the right power team is key. And obviously the brokers. So I have specialist brokers that ultimately deal with um, all of the international investors I work alongside. There's probably three or four that I would recommend, but there's probably two specific ones that are getting really great rates. Because I think that's the other thing. Everybody thinks they're going to be paying 9 and 10%. Well, that's not the case if you've got the right structure and the right power team. Brilliant. Okay. So um, I... I I do know from experience when I was out teaching overseas, you know, someone said, well, I've just Googled sourcing agents in the UK and 500 have come up on Google. <laughs> so that could be quite daunting for someone who was just, you know, sitting in Singapore or wherever thinking I'm going to just buy some UK real estate. That would be daunting. So how on earth do our international students know that, the deals that the sourcing agents are bringing them are are good how does that work for them because their idea of a good deal in singapore or their idea of a good deal in australia is going to be very different to what a good deal here is in uk so i mean we teach them how to, to run the numbers do the due yeah. diligence make sure that they're buying for demand and do your research on your sourcing agents as well i mean ultimately people that work with us we we, we recommend though that out so yeah. And to be fair, the sourcing agents I, I work with, they, they want people that understand the numbers already. Yeah. They don't want me to just like send them someone that I've spoke to on the phone for five minutes. They want them to understand the numbers. They want them to understand demand. They want them to understand the market. They want them to know what their interest rates are. They want the old bag of, of, of mashing, if you like. They want the old, the old spectrum of what's possible um, to understand that because they don't want to be teaching somebody how to do that. That's not their job. They don't want to do that. They haven't got time for that. They're out there finding deals for you to invest in. The other thing is, and I have seen it happen, if if students go with just some random sourcing agent, and bearing in mind, I, I meet sourcing agents all the time, and sometimes they've been doing it two weeks. They're not regulated. They don't know how to find good deals because they don't know what a good deal is. Yeah. So anybody can say they're a sourcing agent. They can yeah. say that they are. Being a good sourcing agent is a totally different ball game. So a good sourcing agent will want the students to be ready. So they'll want them to understand the process entirely, which is, you know, what I do. I teach them how to do that. Yeah. So it is a mutual agreement that, you know, I, as a sourcing agent who finds the deals, I only want to source this onto a client who can act quickly, therefore have the right bank accounts, the right structure, the right bank uh, lending, understand the deal in itself and can move quickly on it. Yeah. So 
it's really important that that fun foundation of knowledge is is there before they get get started so that's where the process and the team is so vital working alongside you so that you can plug them in to where they need to to go are there any countries around the world where it's not possible for someone to invest in the UK to your knowledge um I think I've only ever come across and I think it was part of South Africa we we had a few challenges there but it, it wasn't um a student that I was directly working with at the time but I remember us having a lot of challenges there whether that's changed because that was like three or four years ago Mm. but I mean I have that's the only one I can think of that we had a few challenges but I don't know if that was because of their circumstances as well Mm. it's always best to chat to us anyway because I can have a look into that and find out what that would be by speaking to my power team and saying right how can I fix that so it's, when I say it's a challenge, it was the only one that I've ever come across. And that's yeah. in like five years. But New Zealand, Australia, um, like I said earlier, all of Europe. Yeah. Hong Malaysia, Hong Kong, Hong Kong. All of them. Yeah. And I've had students from all of those places. And it's really nice to see how well they're doing. In fact, um, I, I do, you know, we, we do message each other and things still. And I've, it's people I've mentored like five, six years ago now. Uh, and to see how well that they are still doing and still investing in the UK because as they are aware it's the best market I know I know I, I mean I, I was just in touch with a couple of my Singaporean students yesterday one of them's bought his second hotel in wow. Liverpool um, and you know it does boggle your brain that you have a family sitting out in Singapore that are buying owning and effectively leveraging out to someone else to run a hotel here here in the UK what are your what what's so attractive about the UK market to our international investors why do they come here to to buy but because they just don't, don't make any money in their own country on property we've got to remember we're just such a small island there's 68 million people live here on this tiny little island whereas you look at you look at New Zealand they've got like 5 million i think uh, last time i looked and their island is like about the same size as here so the demand here is fierce absolutely fierce we've we've got you know good work opportunities um so yeah it, it just it just does stack up and the numbers work you know even though house prices have gone up so have rents so house prices are still comparatively low to the rents that we can get so it's really a no-brainer the yeah. amount of people that i've i've taught over the years they're smashing it you know this and sometimes i watch them i think my God, I need to step up here. Come on. Because they're literally like buying all sorts of stuff, but with the knowledge that they can. And that's the other thing as well. Like you said about hotels, we start them off in uh, buy to lets and HMOs. And then the next minute they're saying, we're looking at commercial stuff and they don't even live here. So people saying, I can't do that. I think I've got students in Australia doing this. Of course you can. It's fantastic. So the process would be they buy, because obviously with the lending, our UK listeners will be sitting going, but how do they get lending? Because they're not here. Um, they buy in a, you know, the, uh, the correct company structure and then it's the company that creates the credit profile. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So the idea is to buy with, say, bridging and then once that's generating any kind of revenue, then we can move on to different type of lending and the likes. Okay. It's not really that dissimilar how we do it ourselves. You know, like for your property that you want to refinance and and add the value and pull the money back out and you buy it in a bridge or your own money or however you buy it with angel money it's the same principle they buy it in the first in their own money or someone else's money in the first yeah. instance and refinance it onto a product for a better rate and pull yeah. the money back out 
it's the same principle. It's all about the structure that they set up. Okay. So the burning question people have when they first start is always how much money do I need? And to our UK based students, we always say, well, you don't need any money to start because we're using other people's money. With our international students, would you say it's the same response? Um, Yes, if they can get other people's money. It's always the same response, isn't it? It doesn't have to be your money that you start with, but you do need money. Our UK students need money, but they just it doesn't have to be theirs. And it's the same for international. I've got students still now that are using other people's money to buy deals and they live out in wherever. And as we've always said as well, even if you've got a pot of cash, at some point you'll need a bit more money. So you're going to have to get it from somewhere else. So, But the fact that you can be sat at home in Singapore and buy properties here without ever leaving their house is just incredible and it it happens all the time they're doing it all the time yeah so our british pound the currency is very attractive the fact that the demand is so high we get capital growth as well as cash flow um the demand is going to continue because our population increases year on year and we can't actually expand our island any further you know we're not like dubai that are going to build a palm in the you know in the sea or well maybe never say never um we're politically relatively sound and economically relatively sound compared to some other countries so that's five fairly compelling reasons people come to the uk to look for for assets. So what about the moving of money? Because obviously we think about moving money and we think money laundering and what checks are going to be carried out. Money's going to be coming here to the UK from various places. How do we manage that and help our students uh, cope with that process? Again, it's, it's about the power team. I have, I've recently just done an update of my anti-money laundering checks as well, because I deal with a lot of internationals. I have to be fully aware of how that looks. But when you're moving money, obviously it's about moving it at the right time, moving it in the right structure. Because a lot of people think they can just send it. Well, you can. And there is there is like companies like TransferWise, which I'm sure are great. But you need to shop around as well to find out the best way of moving your money across and when to get the best rates. Because a lot of people can move money here and make money anyway, yeah. uh, which is a massive win. And then buy properties, it's going to go up in growth and give you money in your pocket. Another massive win. What's not to love? Again, it's about the right power team. And we do have people that we work with that help with that as well. Um, and people I've worked with a long time, so highly trusted and highly regarded in the industry. So brilliant. But again, yeah. it, it, you know, we do shop around to make sure you can get the best rates. But yes, please don't just shove it into your bank account once it's opened. That's yeah. a no. Because the banks yeah. will just charge you a flat rate. Yeah. So what about people who uh, have moved to the UK and they want to start investing in property, but of course, they've got no credit profile. Their visa status here might not be permanent, for example, um, or they might be um, working offshore in another jurisdiction for a lot of the, the time and they might have a base here. You know, more complex situations like that. How would we how can we help those individuals? I mean, the same applies really to, as, as if they was not here at all. So let's say let's say they, they, they're from here, they've moved away. Let's try that one to start with. Um, it depends on the tax treaty. It depends on are they getting money sent here or are they getting money in another country? If the money goes into another country, then they're tret like they're not here. Um, but it, if they've lived here pri- previously, they will have a history of, of credit. So that will make it a little bit easier. 
um, if they've got bills here potentially um, it could make it easier but the, you know we, we look at the bigger picture of what they're trying to achieve when are they wanting to come back are they wanting to come back to live in the UK not that it overly matters but we need to know then how to structure their business moving forward um, but again they can still get lending um, I've got um, I've got a guy that I've just mentored this year in Qatar is from here lives in Qatar he's, a, he's great and he's buying HMOs is is doing serviced accommodation now as well so he's looking into serviced accommodation he's got his lending his company his structural setup um, but he, he is tret like he's because he's not here he's tret yeah. like an international investor but that's fine that's fine because he's still getting the lending and he's still um using other people's money he's using his own money and he's using the bank's money so what's not to love so he's living and earning in a tax-free yes country and then investing it back here yeah. in the uk and still yeah. getting funding how amazing yes. I, I love it i was like that and he was saying his interest rates are marginally higher than possibly what i could get um yeah. But he's not paying any tax, and he earns, you know, he earns a reasonable amount of money in Qatar, um, and he's not paying any tax. So he's like, eh, he's really not that bothered because he's like getting it, 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 it makes sense. And then eventually, you know, his, his long term plan, or it was, is to move back here eventually when he's got a good sized portfolio to fund his life. Amazing. I do love watching those kind of stories, and I have to share about how the UK have um, a policy or a law that they have that if you um, have a certain amount of wealth or revenue generated here in the UK, you can actually get what's called an entrepreneurial visa um, that a couple of my Hong Kong students have definitely uh, used. In fact, they were the first two to ever be allowed into the country on this entrepreneurial visa. They were based in Hong Kong, investing here in the UK, but because they generated enough assets and income, they were allowed a visa to come and live here with their families. And while people might be thinking, why on earth would you move from Hong Kong to the UK? Well, there's a number of reasons right now that people are definitely keen on that. Um, you know, the schooling for their kids and everything else has just completely changed, changed their lives. Uh, and that's, would you say, some of the other reasons that people start to invest here is maybe long term to, to look to come and settle here? Uh, yeah, so bizarrely, you've just said that. I had an email about two weeks ago. So there's a, a, a I mentored them probably about five years ago now, and they're a family and they've got three sons, twins and another boy. And on mentorship, they'd come over and they'd said, oh, can we bring the boys with us? They were like 14 and 15. And, you know, usually it's, it's quite difficult when you've got children, but they were sat there taking notes, the boys. And then when I do Zooms now, because they're bigger, and they're like hi they're so lovely but they've literally now so they've been buying here for the last five years uh little stuff bigger stuff even bigger stuff they've now retired they're traveling around europe and i'm seeing them in june because they're they're moving here the, the boys the older boys are going to university here so they're wow. going to be they're moving here for so we're meeting up in june um for a catch-up and just to kind of see next steps because they are looking at, at, at more bigger stuff and social housing they're really keen on so that's kind of next steps really so it's lovely to see that where were where were they based before singapore singapore i mean i i think why would you leave singapore why would you leave singapore and come to the uk the weather's so bad here <laughs> But you know when you know in COVID because they got this lovely big apartment and um, but they couldn't go out and they were really strict in Singapore about 
coming out. And I can remember, you know, we'd be, be on Zooms and it was like torture and they were really strict on them going out. They'd be in trouble and, you know, they've got three boys, mum and dad all in this. I mean, it wasn't a tiny apartment. I'm not going to say it was, it was like a shoebox, but it was still, they're all in there and they couldn't see family. And I think they just thought we've got, bizarrely, you know, being a tiny island and not having, they, they want to garden. They want right. that outside space and the fresh air. So they want to come here and the schooling they've said is better for what their boys are wanting to do. So uni here. Yeah, but I know I love it's freezing here. Yeah? What were you thinking? Yeah, I know. But there's so many of our students who are based overseas that send their kids to UK-based universities. Yeah. And then, of course, they come over to visit them. And then uh, they use that time visiting their kids to obviously meet up with you, meet up with the power, power team, view properties, maybe even view for the very first time stuff that they have bought and own. Yeah. Because a lot of our international students never actually see physically what they buy. No, at all. Never, right? And I think, you know, this will boggle some of our UK listeners and investors' minds because we're always like, view the properties, you know, go and see the smelly brown swirly carpets. And here we are like, nope, you don't even need to be in the country. And, and it's true. But again, it's about the power team. And I can't stress that enough. You know, when we think about, and I think this is why I'm very precious about who my students, our students use. Well, we both are because... Yeah. And, we, and that's why where we have lists with solicitors on and brokers on because it's people that we've tried and tested and we trust so it's the same for internationals because they aren't here these people are everything so yeah. they're looking after they're not you know they're not managing you know they're looking after a pair of shoes it's, it's an asset it's a house although you know shoes are you know, really important <laughs> but still you know they're looking after something that's significantly important to them so yeah. and the and power team is is key. Yeah. Really so, is. I'm I'm going to talk about a couple of uh, traps or, or or downfalls that we have seen international investors, you know, mistakes that that they've made, and it's not from any fault of their own, but just not knowing. Mm. And that is that culturally, some countries love buying new builds because the new builds have more value intrinsically than say an old historic building. Like in America, if it's more than like 20 years old, it's like, get rid of it. We want new build, new build, new build. That's American mentality, right? Um, and we know that out in Asia, parts of Asia, again, the condos, new build developments is, is really, really attractive. So when there's a new build development happening here in the UK, those developers tend to target those Asian countries um, or international markets where new builds are seen to be a very valuable asset culturally. Now, we all know, and anyone who's listened to our podcast knows that we, we do not invest in new build properties. That's not something that we see as a sound investment. Um, and so how do you manage your students' mindset or mentality behind, yeah, the, the, the shiny condos with the glossy brochures that you're going to be buying versus this skanky little three-bed terraced house in the middle of Manchester? Like, that's quite a leap, isn't it? Um, how do you manage that? It's the numbers. So I just run the numbers with them. So we'll do the numbers on what they're looking at. And, I mean, we've had students come through that they've just I've just bought an off-plan apartment in Manchester and you're like no yeah. like, can you get out of that can you get out of it what have you put yeah. into it 
Yeah. And because once you run the numbers and show them what that looks like, they're like, oh. And and yeah. where are you gonna that money's there? So the, you know the the returns are low. The it's just it's just insane. So again, numbers on that. Numbers on some grim looking house in Wigan. Um, yeah. And they're like, Ugh. Um, and then you show them the numbers and how they can pull the money back out, how that that will grow. Because again, as we know, new builds you can be ten years down the road and they've not increased in value. So. And yeah. I know that we, I know that ultimately, we, we, most of us, it depends on your goals, obviously, we want cash flow, cash flow is king, but you know, the added bonus of having that uplift, why not? So yeah, it's just, we're just numbers, numbers, and then numbers, like, numbers, I don't numbers. want that shiny one, give me the smelly one. Yeah, it, it is a big mindset shift for them though right because you know these big developers are really good at having the marketing going and it's right beside the pier and it has this and it has that and it has a concierge and it has a gym and it has a swimming pool da, da, da. and everyone's thinking oh this sounds amazing yeah. um but it's going to make you no money no money whatsoever and you say oh, the rents are really high and all of that but you kind of think but you've got like 200 of them in this block here and then yep. you've and then if they don't rent out, well, they might need to reduce your rent. I mean, we see that a lot where they've reduced, reduced because they can't rent them all out. And then yeah, we we that, that it doesn't take much change in the mind as soon as they look <laughs> at the numbers, they're like, Yeah, no shiny um, one. Yeah, no shiny. Okay, so and, and we have had scenarios, bless, bless them, when we have our international investors and maybe a sourcing agent presents them a deal and they have to literally look at the map. Of where the hell that is based they don't even yeah. know what that you know Wigan or Burnley or wherever is because they've never heard of it but maybe when they think the UK they think of London Oxford yeah. Edinburgh and that's kind of yeah. maybe Liverpool and Manchester because of the football teams but beyond that it's like no idea. Get yeah. The yeah no it's, it's fascinating and you know what obviously when I've, I've got I've had students come out and they're looking around house and they're like what's that it's a radiator because they've never seen it. It's red hot where they live. There's no radiators. Oh, yeah. For what? To keep the house warm. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. What do, what do you need a boiler for? What do, what's a boiler? Yeah. So they're like looking like, what the hell is all of this? So, but anyway, it's it's good fun. I love I love spending time with my international students because it is it's it's good fun and it's nice to see them progress. But once they've got a plan, and that's you know pretty much what we do, whether they're from the UK or anywhere in the world. Once we have a plan and we've taught them how to do it and we've got the right power teams and all the structure in place, as long as they take action, it's this, the world's their oyster really, isn't it? It really is. So, and I, I see them taking massive action and it's just, it's great. I love it. And, and it must be so frustrating for you, Andrew. And I know that it frustrates me that when we have UK based investors who are in the same time zone that can literally go and physically see the stuff within an hour or two hours. And then we have someone on a, you know, 12 hour flight away, eight hour time difference, you know, and you find that the one with everything stacked against them, time difference, all the technicalities between moving the money and the, all of that stuff, they're doing more than the guys sitting here. Oh, in, in, yeah. I mean, I mean, I, I do sometimes, sometimes say to my students, have you been to your investment area yet? No, it's only an hour away, please go. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's about, it is about action. We can't, you know, you can't force somebody to do that. Um, but I have to say, I mean, we do give them a bit of a kick in. Our students get a bit of a, come on, do it. Yeah, so, well, we want them to do well, right? 
Like... I think I think the other thing, and then and lastly, is students that do live here that's flown that's come all the way from anywhere over the world. And we're still and we, we we've only recently just saw someone that said, "I can't get lending, but you've lived here five years. I can get lending for people that's never lived here. What what what's what's the problem?" And and seeing that change quite quickly, just having the right knowledge, knowing to have the due diligence, and 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 getting the right the right power team in place, it's just it's done. Yeah. It's done. I know uh, there's so many assumptions made and it's so sad. I mean, that, I know exactly who you're referring to, who we just met recently. And she had just made so many assumptions based on what one broker had said to her, because of yes. course that one broker is used to dealing with UK um, based folks that uh, have you got a credit file on Experian or Equifax? No. Okay, fine. I can't get you lending. She took that one answer and just ran with that and thought that was fact. And then she meets us, and of course, suddenly it's like, nope, you can do this, 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 this. And uh, everything I've been on the phone to her. I just said to her, I've been on the phone to her this week, and she sent me through. She's finally, this broker has sent her something that she might be able to get, and it's awful. And it's awful. awful. And I went to her no that's terrible she said i thought so i knew you was going to say that so anyway we've got a, a meeting lined up with a, a broker that i use all the time and he'll just he'll be like yeah we don't need that we've we've got this sorted so it's just it's the right people yeah knowledge is power always right brilliant well thank you andrea i don't think our community really are aware of all the the sexy international stuff we do in the background and that's why having, you know, an episode like this to just uh, broaden people's horizons on, on where and you know, where they can do it from. It should be really, really exciting. So if you're here in the UK and one of your goals is to live overseas, then when you move overseas, you still you don't need to stop investing. You can carry on. <laughs> yeah, totally. Love it. Love it. Brilliant. Take care of yourself, Andrea. Lovely to see you. Thank you, Caroline. Bye, guys. It was great catching up with Andrea and I hope that you gained some insight into how you can be a remote investor no matter where you are based on the planet and all the benefits of investing here in the UK market, particularly if you are just brand new here in the UK too and you want to get busy investing. There are so many assumptions out there that if you don't have a credit profile, if you don't have the visa status, then everything's stacked against you. That's not necessarily the case. Remember, to every problem, there's a solution. And if the masses don't know how to solve it, then you need to seek out the specialists that know what they're doing. So if you want to learn how to invest in property from an international perspective and to get closer to the likes of Andrea and I, then please connect with us on our Facebook community page, Property Well System, and uh, reach out to us there. But I look forward to bringing you some great content again next week. Take care. Bye.